Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes at soothing decibels. This is podcast number 31. Pretty crazy that there's 30 before this. There's going to be 30 after this. There's going to be 900 after this. I can't wait till I'm like, welcome to podcast number 10,985. I mean, Bill Simmons only has 500 or so or 600. So I'm coming for you, Bill. I'm coming for the Boston sports guy, pop culture, TV crown. So watch out. <laughs> and uh, I watched Pete Davidson's comedy hour last night and was kind of confused because he's not particularly funny and he's not good at delivering jokes, but there's something endlessly watchable about him. It's just the whole Staten Island that he realizes who he is and where he's from, all the tattoos and kind of that gaunt look with the that cheekbones that look like they cut glass and like that big smile and the self-deprecatingness of it all and that kind of coffee talk kind of New Yorker vibe. I don't know. There's something about it that makes him endlessly fascinating. And I can't, he's just got a watchability to him and I can't put my finger on it. It's that it factor. And sometimes people just have that. Like I was watching uh, an old school, like early 2000s alien ant farm music video called movies. And the bassist is this kind of heavy set, Slick back hair, uh, like very like late 90s, early 2000s punk look. He kind of looks like the lead singer of Smash Mouth. And he's just kind of grooving out. And he has this high-pitched falsetto. And you can't stop watching him the whole time. So, and I, I watched the video over and over again. And he's not doing much, but there's just something about him. He's wearing like plain brown clothes and like just kind of moving around a little bit. But there's something charismatic. I mean, there's just that it vibe. Some people got it. And like sometimes the unknown is just the funniest or most interesting part. Like yesterday, when I was doing my podcast with Morris, we did a fictional fantasy football draft where, you know, we picked uh, fictional movie and TV characters for our NFL teams, our like mock NFL teams. And the funniest part of the podcast was at the end, he made me recite, you know, the draft order and who the names were. And my handwriting is so horrendous, I couldn't even make out my own, my own writing. So I was just making up names that had nothing to do with like, there were, Charlie Tweeter, uh, who is the wide receiver from Varsity Blues, I called him, I think, Aaron Akimbo. That's what my handwriting told my brain. So that was the funniest part. We probably laughed for a solid five minutes. So it's the unexpected. It's the random. It's the it. And it just reminds me of kind of funny stories from my past. Uh, senior year in my AP English uh, class, Mr. Barron's class. Shout out Mr. Barron. I think he's still there. I think he's the head of the English department now. Really cool guy. But I was asked to read in front of the class. And I think the line was like, I started reading, I go, the Jamaican is lands that lie about 154 kilometers. And I just go, is lands? Like, what, what does that mean? And I, for some reason, my brain had flipped and said, rather than island is how, you know, I-S-L-A-N-D-S should be said. I said, is lands. I made it two words. And this is a, you know, a one top 5% of the class you know, you take your APs and this was the first day of class and I just murdered the word island like a four, four-year-old. So super embarrassing, just nerd humiliation. And it kind of reminded me of my favorite, most inspiring female TV character of all time, talking about Parks and Rec's Leslie Nope of Pawnee, Indiana, of the Parks and Rec department, obviously, hence the name. And I don't know, I just started thinking about did I want to talk more about The Office or do I want more to talk more about Parks and Rec and which one's better? And I've come to the conclusion I think Parks and Rec is a superior show because The Office, 
it doesn't have very likable characters. You can't, you kind of have people you hate. You kind of have, you know, the Stanleys, the Angela's Dwight grows on you. Andy's a jerk. Michael really, you shouldn't like him. It's more Steve Carell's acting ability. It's kind of these drab people in this drab world. And it's kind of, I feel like it's the Larry Bird and Magic Johnson of the NBA so that the Michael Jordan of Parks and Rec could shine and occur. And I mean, Michael Schur wrote both. So there's definitely a writing connection. There's definitely a serious, there's a similar tone in both of them. They both have that documentary style, look at the camera, respond kind of uh, look to it. That's very unique. But I mean, Leslie was just a far superior character. Uh, main character to Michael Scott. I just want to break her down and see what makes her so wonderful because she's a joy. It's a nice summer day today and it's, you know, light out. I was thinking Leslie's like hyper blonde hair, her bubbly attitude. That's who I want to talk about on a day like today. And it's July 2nd, just in case you, for some reason, didn't know what day it was because you don't have a phone or a calendar or a clock. I mean, God help you if you don't know what day it is. But anyways, it's July 2nd. So, I mean, like, Leslie, I'm not counting season one, Leslie, because they didn't really, the show didn't know what they were the first season, and they kind of made her, in the first season, a smarter Michael Scott, and, you know, she was just kind of offensive and horribly abrasive, and finally, by season two through seven, they figured her out, and they let her grow as a character and kind of become more than she was in that initial first season, because this was coming right after the office was a hit. So I think they were just like, well, let's make a female Michael Scott. And then they're like, no, we're going to make a better, a better kind of more inspirational character. That's going to inspire millions. And they created Leslie. No, because she's not the class clown. Like Michael Scott is Michael Scott's always looking for the joke. Always. That's what she said. He's, you know, forwarding offensive emails. He's just taking things, everything a step too far just for the sake of humor. She's the kind of do-gooder in class. She's the kid that, raises her hand and the teacher goes anyone but Leslie and she's kind of like smarmy about that or she'll ask you what'd you get on your test be knowing that she got a hundred because she wants to respond back and it's like yeah I hate that person but at the same time she's just excited that she did good work she's just overly friendly she cares way too much she loves government more than anyone I think I've ever seen in a tv show like you know she fantasizes about hanging out with supreme court judges she knows everyone, you know, in the House of Representatives and Senate. She has little like popsicle stick uh, action heroes based on, you know, political figures that she created when she was five. And she just wants to help her town of Pawnee, Indiana, which is like just a dump. It's uh, I think it's the fourth fattest town in North America. The people are kind of loony. Like you've seen those uh, city council meetings from Florida where people are yelling about like their American right to not wear masks and how like masks are basically sadomasochism or terrorism and they're just acting crazy in the city council people are just nodding that's Pawnee Indiana and I think there's actually been some spliced uh, meme stuff in there which is pretty funny that just shows that this kind of this predated this insanity and like kind of called it and it's just fun to watch her try to help this town and she's doing it from the parks and rec department which they do a like a a whole tree of uh what the government power powers are and parks and rec is like way on the bottom right and it's like so she's so low on the totem pole but she thinks her job is so important and she just wants to make her town a better place and move up in kind of the power structure but not in like a house of cards i have to take everyone down she wants to take everyone with her and she kind of forces kindness out of her apathetic friend circle like ron swanson you know her boss he's the most 
I don't want to know people. I don't want people to know my address. Why do you even know that I like artichokes? Don't tell anybody that. And she makes him kind of a decent person who cares about others by the end of it. And I mean, if that's not a crowning achievement, I don't know what is. Or like April Ludgate, you know, the kind of 19 year old, whatever intern who kind of looks and acts like Daria from the MTV show. And I think she played Dar- Daria in the live action uh, movie of Daria. So she's just that apathetic, my so-called life, 90s grunge, whatever, let's make fun of everything. And she makes her care about stuff just because from the infectious na- nature of Leslie and, you know, good infection, not like COVID infection, like kind of positive attitude, glitter unicorn vibes. That's what she's, 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 uh, if she was in Harry Potter, which is her favorite book and movie series, she'd be the, uh, God, what's the thing where you catch the snitch on, she'd be Gryffindor's, what's the central, God, I'm dated on my Harry Potter stuff. The, the number one sports player in the broom ball, whatever. Wow, I sound really old right now. She'd be the best player on Gryffindor. Uh, keeper? I don't, no, I don't know what it is. I'll look it up later. I feel embarrassed now, but I'm just going to let, let that embarrassment flow through me because Leslie doesn't care about him. I mean, she gets embarrassed, but she keeps pushing forward. She's willing to just be embarrassed for the sake of positivity. So I'm saying she would be Harry Potter, basically. So... She's, I mean, like she forces, like I said, she forces kindness on ever, other people. And she's just like the most absurdly thoughtful gift giver. She sends Ron to Ireland once when they're in London so that he can see like these like beautiful hills and drink Lagavulin and whiskey, scotch. And she like makes him personalized poems from like 15th century that would really apply to him. She creates friendship holidays, which is actually, one of them is actually a real holiday now with most people. It's called Galentine's Day. It's the day before Valentine's Day for your single friends, female, and you have kind of a boozy brunch together and talk about why you love each other. I think that's become kind of a real thing. She makes homemade quilts. She got a guy to make the actual, a replica of the Iron Throne from Game of Thrones for Ben, her husband. I mean, she just does crazy things like that. And Loki, I don't know if she's rich or not because she's at this like low-level uh, public service job. Her mom's in local government. Her dad seemed to pass away when she was young. And didn't seem like they came from money, but she just blows cash on her friends. Like, I want to see a financial breakdown of Leslie's account because it seems like 95% of her purchases are just like ornate gifts to her friends, which is fun. And in, in the show, you know, it works. But I think if you, if a forensic accountant broke down her accounts, they'd be like, yeah, she's $400,000 in debt. She's living off credit cards. So the Jew in me just wants to figure that out. And I think there's some subreddit boards on it. I think I just need to dive more into them. But it doesn't matter. I mean, for, for the, for the uh, sake of the show, it's just fun that, to show that she cares and these gifts are personalized. And, you know, she's not just blowing, she's not like, here's a Gucci bag. She's like, here's a hair from your first crush and uh, concert tickets for you and your best friend for the anniversary of the first day you guys met or something like that. She's just, she's just unbelievably kind and caring. I mean, she, even her best friend, Ann Perkins, she has these pet nicknames for her. She's like, you perfect sunflower or once she'll call her like you rainbow infused unicorn. And she just has tons of those. And every time it doesn't feel forced, it just feels like it's leaking out of her pores, her love, her devotion to her friends and also to her job and to bettering this community, which the community kind of doesn't like her. You know what I mean? They kind of, 
they kind of reject her idea of trying to improving the town, but she keeps pushing forward just one inch at a time. Like she cleans up slugs when people request that uh, when she's on city council or she hires her underqualified friends and believes in them and kind of forces them into normalcy or greatness. She she bakes kind of a lot, a lot of cookies, a lot of sugar stuff for her friends. Uh, even when she has a flu and she needs to like get something done, she just takes a bunch of medicine and just trudges through it. Or there was a, uh, there was a telethon, like a charity telethon, where she's had to stay up for 48 hours and she just ate a bunch of candy bars and went loopy by the end of it, but got it done because it was $20,000 for a charity. And she just, she thought that was more important. She's self-sacrificial. She's that general that leads from the front. You know I mean? She's not like uh, just barking out orders. She's on the front lines. And it's kind of like that Michael Jordan again, that vibe where Michael Jordan could yell and be demanding because he was doing his sprints faster and harder than you were. And he was at practice earlier and practice later than you. And Leslie is the same way. She's like make color coordinating, note, color coordinating notebooks for mindless projects and getting super excited about it. And she's kind of, she's going the extra mile for everything. And also she goes the extra mile for caring for you. So begrudgingly you have to care for her back. And I mean, that's the harder side of Leslie, but she's also fun. So like what makes her fun? I mean, First of all, I mean, like that bleach blonde hair, you know, I mean, and that kind of wavy little Farrah Fawcett. And she's this cute little five foot three powerhouse of expression. So it's just fun to watch her kind of explode on screen. And she, I mean, she writes like a book for her passion uh, for Pawnee, Indiana, which I thought was really funny. And she just loves waffles, sugar, treats. They said she spends $1,000 a year at JJ's Waffles on waffles alone. So, I mean, that just shows her passion for everything kind of sweet toothy. And she's still got some Pawnee in her. She's like, she hates salads. She hates vegetables. She hates Eagleton, the snotty rich town that's next to her. And just endlessly, I mean, it's like rooted in her DNA that she just wants to make fun of them at all points. She's uh, luckless in love before she finds her soulmate in season three. Shout out Ben Wyatt, one of the best husband characters pretty much ever. I could do a full thing about Ben Wyatt. I think he's actually the best actor on the show. And I think, I mean, I think I skew a little towards him because he's all pop culture and nerd stuff, Twin Peak message boards and, you know, Game of Thrones and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. But I mean, before that, Leslie, <laughs> Leslie is like the worst at dating. She dates just losers and she gets overly nervous and she always has to, on dates, kind of nervously go to the bathroom and says, I have to go to like the Wiz Palace. It's like, that's what I call the, the bathroom. This walks off awkwardly and she has... She kind of breaks out these uh, terrible first date stories all the time. Like she was dating a dentist who was married while they were dating, but she still had to uh, still went out with him because he was a great dentist. Or she dated a civil war activist who dressed like that all the time. Or I mean, she's always in like three person love triangles and just, I mean, it's those casual one sentence throwaways that just make it really funny. And that's Michael Scherer's writing kind of coming through. Like I said, passion for Pawnee, hatred for Eagleton. She's super competitive. I mean, she, if she's bowling with somebody, she has to crush them. Mini golf, she has to just dominate. Uh, when she goes on a turkey hunt, she has to be the first one to kill something. And she won't give up a fight ever, no matter if it's in the political arena, personal arena. Or, I mean, if she thinks that someone can win something, she's going to do it at all costs. And kind of, I think she realizes afterwards the kind of blinder she puts on and the insanity that she is because she's a force of nature. And she kind of has a cute sense of hubris that kind of comes through. Like she realizes what she did afterwards. So 
you love that, you know, ask for forgiveness, not permission. But usually when she's pushing towards something, it's for the betterment of the town, betterment of their friends, or, I mean, her thought process is always just for benefiting those around her. So you can't, you can't argue with that. You know what I mean? And she has rivals, which are always fun. She has the seventh grade kid named Greg Bukaitis, who is always pulling pranks, like uh, TPing like a statue or egging a house and stuff like that. And she always just screams, Bukaitis! Just super angry at him. So that was fun. That was like kind of the first rival. That's when she's, that's when she's small time. And then later when she gets on city council, she, her, her rival is Jeremy Jam, who's just this awful person who's a creepy dentist with a, with an afro and he drives a bright yellow Porsche and has a hibachi grill in his house and is just super creepy towards women and is obnoxious and knows how to kind of stir people up into a fervor. And it seems like he's actually the ultimate politician because he understands how to work people up into anger. So he's a good, he's a good foil for uh, Leslie and it's a, it's fun to watch them go back and forth. And I mean, Ben, Wyatt, and Chris Traeger, when they first come in as budget city auditors and tell the Parks and Rec Department that they need to cut their budget to the bone and possibly all be fired, uh, she retorts back, you know, with fury and decides to put on the Harvest Festival and says, like, we're going to try to put on this giant festival to raise money for the town, and if it doesn't work, you can fire us all. So she, she puts her money where her mouth is. And when her friends are called to duty, you know, with that, like, ocarina, uh, like the team assemble kind of moment they've assembled because Leslie's always been there for them. She's a risk taker, like I said, and she like puts on a concert later in season seven called the UD concert to bring Eagleton and uh, Pawnee have to merge together because Eagleton ends up being broke. And that's just shows. I mean, she hates Eagleton more than anything, anything, but she accepts them finally and takes them into Pawnee when she needs to. So that just shows, you know, the flexibility and the, depth of learning for Leslie Nope. And it's like very inspirational how she goes slowly from this like lowly position in parks in the parks and rec department. She eventually runs and wins city council. She gets kicked off city council by the town. And then she becomes par- back to parks and rec. And then she moves into like federal parks leadership where, you know, you're talking about Yellowstone park and major parks. And then I think eventually at the very end, she becomes a governor of Indiana and in the end, in the flash forward episode, uh, they show her and Ben both with presidential flags and secret service around them. And Ben was a congressman when the show ended. So they're debating, and there's a debate whether it's Leslie or Ben, who's the actual president, because they're like, man, it's time to go. And they have earpieces on them. And they've talked to the director, uh, director and creator of the show. And it's pretty clear. The show's about Leslie. And she's the, like, driving force of good and honesty and hard work, of course she's going to be president in the end. Like, that's her. Ben probably is a senator or still a congressman or something like that. But it's, but I like that they lift it up because it's a decent argument, but if you really think at the core of the show, it's Leslie's world and everyone else is just kind of living in it and being influenced and being bettered by it. And also, I mean, she gets, I mean, she's very positive and fun and sing along and, you know, wants to put on plays, movie nights, all that kind of stuff. But she gets emotionally deep and can really cry and really uh, get kind of somber or emotional. And it really kind of hits home when it happens. It happens once or twice a season when you really see Leslie in a downspin or Leslie kind of overtaken by emotion from her friends. So, I mean, when she gets proposed to, she has this great moment where she tells Ben to stop. 
She's like, just stop everything. Like, I just want to soak in this moment. I just want to realize and be grateful that this, my life is this perfect in this exact moment. And that's just, I don't know. I've never seen anything like that on screen where it's just like someone who's usually so on to the next moment and so kind of trying to fight for what's going to happen next. And she just had the wherewithal to kind of just soak in that one second and say like, I'm going to remember this forever. How thankful I am. So I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. Or uh, there's an unexpected wedding between her and Ben. They kind of do an impromptu wedding during a charity event. And again, you know, she gets super, she can cry. She, she's a good crier. You know, it's a good, it's a good cathartic cry. And she also cries pretty much whenever any of her friends do anything nice for her. Like if April shows any kind of leaning towards emotion, Tom gives a speech to her uh, at one of her dinners. And she's like, I want it on my tombstone. I want it played every day after I'm dead. And Tom's like, oh my God, you like this a little too much. <laughs> and I mean, she leans on her friends when she's at a low points. They really come calling. Like they're kind of the super friends when Leslie needs her. When her uh, team that was going to elect her to city council uh, left her because she was dating someone she shouldn't in her uh, office, which was Ben Wyatt, who eventually became her husband. You know, the political team left because it was too much scandal, but her friends decided to run the campaign for her. And, you know, that's a huge undertaking and that's unbelievable. But Leslie would do that for them tenfold. So they always kind of respond. And it's kind of funny. Uh, she has a huge crush on Joe Biden. This is like 2008 to 2012 Joe Biden. So just kind of random. It's just, it's her political, it shows like her political love and her political kind of leanings that she likes this kind of doddering old guy with, you know, a nice smile and some nice white, white hair. But uh, it just, it shows how much she loves government that, you know, through that lens that he's a rock star to her. And she, like I said, she has her own government action figures and she wants to be one one day. And she makes you want to believe in something. I mean, like you want to be the best version of yourself by watching the show. And I think that's, and, but it's nice too, because they're all kind of mean to each other on a personal level a little bit. They kind of just rib and rib and poke each other a little bit. So, I mean, they all hate, there's one guy in the show named Jerry, who's just, you know, the sad sack, kind of the whole oh, good grief kind of guy. And they all kind of give him a hard time, even Leslie. So it shows no one's perfect. So, I mean, it's, the show is a very situational comedy and it's not grounded in reality, but it's, it's for the most, I mean, it's for the most part inspirational and it's, you kind of learn to be okay being a nerd and being positive and speaking out even when you're embarrassed and when you're silly. And that's Leslie, definitional. And she also learns from her failures and what she fails a lot. So it's like, she's the change you want, she wants to see in the world. And that's something, I don't know, that's something that we should all strive towards. And there's nothing better than a rags to riches story based on solely like her dedication and her dogged determination. It's not rise to riches. She's not coming like, she's not Aladdin coming as like a grifter beggar thief into a prince. This is her, an intelligent modern woman using her intelligence and wherewithal to move her way through the government in an honest and good hearted way to make the world a better place for everyone. And also, I mean, like when you're doing that, and it's also one of the funniest, most rewatchable shows in modern history. I mean, that's a, that's a bouncing act that I don't think has been done before or might, might not be done again for a while. So props to Leslie. Nope. I hope there's more of you coming down the line, but I'm skeptical because this is, this is lightning in a bottle. It's special. And if you haven't watched Parks and Rec, it's on Netflix. Just stream it. The next two weeks of your life will be joyous and you'll be laughing. So, and I'm going to pop an episode on right now. I think I'm going to pop episode season four, episode six, I think the end of the world party. That's a fun one.
So talk to you guys later. Bye.